Welcome to Cordell and Cordell's Men's Divorce Podcast, moderated by managing partner and CEO Scott Trout, bringing you information for guys before, during, and after divorce, and everything related to family law. This podcast is not to be taken as legal advice, and no attorney-client relationship is established. Welcome back to the Men's Divorce and Cordell Cordell podcast. I'm Scott Trout, Managing Partner and CEO of Cordell and Cordell. And we continue to bring you this podcast and just get you information, topics, issues, things that are relevant and matter to you to try to get you the answers you need. Now, always, as we always warned at the beginning, this isn't legal advice. It's not something we can do absent a consultation, which is a meeting between an attorney and yourself. You can do that with us. You can go to the website at cordellcordell.com. You can schedule a consultation right there without even picking up the phone. Or you can give us a call at 866-DADS-LAW. So let's get started. I'm joined again uh, by Chelsea up in Wisconsin. Welcome. Good morning, Scott. Hey, thanks for joining. So let's talk about, obviously, we've been doing this for a long time now with this podcast, and it is one we haven't done, which is great and unique. So if you're listening, get some paper out and pen, take some notes, because it's going to apply to you if you've gone through divorce, going through divorce, thinking about divorce. Certainly, you're going to want to hear more about this topic, which is mediation and collaborative or collaboration. You've heard of collaborative law. Um, and and there's some differences, and it's confusing, and it really will matter where you live. And, and so I guess that's the question, Chelsea, is... You have to know kind of what's going on in your state and understand what the difference is and how it applies to you. Absolutely. I think a lot of people hear words like contested divorce and uncontested divorce, and they think those are the two types out there. Um, and, and so knowing your local or, or your state rules on A, what are my options? And then B, from those options, are there sub options? And in almost every state, you have choices on how you resolve things. And that's why doing a consult, like you said, can be so important because these aren't things you can necessarily Google and get the exact answer to. Yeah. I mean, it matters, you know, some states I know uh, when I used to practice in Georgia, uh, some of that was required a minimum of so many hours. So and that also matters. You may be, you know, diving right in and maybe your attorney hasn't talked to you about some of these requirements. And, you know, the one thing in family law I've learned is don't surprise your client with information because it's already stressful. And if you drop something, oh, well, yeah, next week we have to do mediation or collaboration and you have no idea what that means, right? So kind of investigate and have that conversation. Absolutely. And some of these things you have to know ahead of time to even participate in them. You know, for collaboration, you're signing a contract to do a collaborative divorce. Part of collaboration is also you have to work with a collaboratively trained attorney. So you can't kind of make that decision once we're halfway through the process. Um, and so again, having that knowledge of what are my options, how do I, how do I decide which one works for me and, and correct, there's nothing worse than being blindsided by a question or that option. And you make it on the fly because at that point, you know, this is how you're feeling in the process. We want you to be able to process that, you know, kind of sit with what makes the sense for you and your family and your finances. Yeah. And it's, you know, we've talked about this and the selection process of a lawyer, for years, and it's it's so intimately important uh, because everything that's important to you is on the line. And it's I've related it to like choosing a doctor. Um, you know, the, each doctor has a, a practice style, uh, and you know that relationship has to be one of trust and understanding, and just fits what you need. Like I'm really comfortable with my lawyer, and so I think 
I would imagine that is equally important when you're thinking about a choice of a lawyer. It's funny I say that because there's this we, a choice of a lawyer is an important decision. And, and there's a legal line we have to use. And it's so true. It is an important decision. And I think I imagine if you're thinking about your lawyer, you want, as you just mentioned, you want one maybe they're trained in collaborative or maybe they don't even like to engage in, in mediation or collaboration. And that's got to be important. Absolutely. I mean, part of what you're deciding is what is the tone that you want to be setting forward? A lot of people come in in consults and they say, I want a bulldog. And part of what we're trying to do is figure out, is that really what you mean? Or what does that mean to you? You know, aggressive can be fantastic in certain cases, but we like to be smart, aggressive. We don't want to ruin your chances for settlement if you want to settle. Um, so yeah, finding out is your attorney someone who is pro-mediation, pro-alternative dispute resolutions? There's so many phrases out there that you might hear. Arbitration, what does that mean? Um, and so A, what does your attorney want to help you accomplish? And B, do you have that full understanding of what those means? And when you're Deciding on that attorney, you know, thinking, how am I going to feel when they're in the room with me and they're presenting that personality, if yeah. you will? Um, and is that going to further my position? Yeah, I mean, it's, I'm a big, I'm not trained in collaborative law. Uh, I'm not trained in mediation. Uh, you know, and I think as you ask questions, and if I'm listening here, I'm thinking, okay, what do I ask somebody I'm interviewing? And that is, what do you think of mediation? What do you think of collaborative law? And not it maybe in the formal sense. So I can tell you that the listener, and that is, you know, when my clients come in the door, I'm a big fan. I like to litigate. I'm a litigator. I'm, I'm a trained trial lawyer. I've been doing it for almost 30 years. I'm not afraid to try cases, but I'll tell my clients up front, hey, let's think about mediation, not in the formal sense, perhaps. You can always do that. But I always do what I call informal. We get all the parties in the room, the other attorney, and we try to mediate and see before we get into a nasty litigation that could be drawn out. Now in a post-COVID era, things could last years. Depends on the state and the city and the county. Um, but I imagine that's got to be a, a concern is finding a lawyer that has that balance that isn't, a, yeah, mediation, and we're, we're going to settle it no matter what in mediation kind of theory. And I'm not, I'm not that. And I don't think any of us really are, because I think it's damaging if you're going to sell someone out and force them to settle for something they don't want. You know, there's this theory or this, uh, I guess, uh, type of lawyer that knows better than the client and will tell you, yeah, you need to do this, right? Right. I mean, and part of our job is to give you realistic expectations and to say, what do we think your likelihood of success or you know, could it go better or worse than where that offer is that's maybe on the table in mediation? But I think as a firm, we'd like to make sure that our clients know they are the decision maker. Um, and so that's also important when interviewing your attorney. Um, also finding out, does your state require certain steps? In Wisconsin, mediation is required on custody and placement if there's a dispute on that. What's different about it here is that first, that court-ordered mediation, your attorney doesn't come to it. So a lot of times it doesn't result in an agreement because you're sitting there going, they've prepped me for all this, but I still don't know if I want to agree. Um, but it would be unfair to a client to think I'm not doing mediation at all. And then the court tells them, but you have to, um, it's going to cause frustration. Uh, and like you said, you know, as a firm or trained litigators, we are more than happy to take that case and fight it out if we need to. Um, but we 
don't want to risk something that actually would have met your goals mm-hmm. by not maybe trying that mediation or that arbitration, if that's something that makes sense for the, the case at hand. Yeah, I think it's a mindset of mediation or it's not a sign of weakness or that, you know, you at all costs you want to settle. I look at it as an opportunity to discover uh, what the other side wants, what the other side has, the evidence that they're going to use. Uh, there's a lot of things. I, I love it just because I'm curious what they're going to say. And that better prepares us for litigation if that's the route we take. Uh, there's something we always talk about and we what we've said on our website and we've told clients for many years, and that is we have intelligently aggressive kind of representation. And it's, it's, it's a you know, big words, right? What does that really mean? But I think that applies when you're searching for an attorney, when whether it's in the trial aspect or the mediation, and, and that's got to be important as well. Right. I mean, we see a lot of people that had an attorney first and then are finding new representation because that fit wasn't right. And I think one of the most common things we hear is they weren't fighting for me. And fighting doesn't necessarily mean going into the courtroom and banging your hands on the table or getting loud and boisterous with the judge. It's making sure that you know they're zealously advocating for your position, whether that's behind closed doors, whether that's via an email with the other side. Um, And Sometimes too, it's having the client saying, I want you to send X, Y, and Z. And part of being intelligently aggressive is saying, I don't think that makes sense. Things are heightened or we're trying to resolve something else. Let's talk about it. Let's explain why. Here's how we're still advocating for you and how we are still fighting for your position um, so that you know where we're coming from. There's also nothing worse than seeing someone like put on a show in the courtroom and you're going behind closed doors. They've been pretty laissez-faire. So there's a lot of personalities out there in the legal field. And sometimes, too, we're telling you, oh, your your wife hired so-and-so. This is their style. This is what to to expect in that. Yeah. You know, it means, I mean, we throw these words at me because you and I are so used to the the words in our practice. I mean, there's other words like arbitration that you typically hear in civil law, but mediation really probably means different things to different people. And, and I think that's where, I think why this is such an important conversation. And it's important to have that in the beginning, right? With your attorney, even in the consultation. And because you may have someone that comes in the door and says, well, yeah, we're amicable. We want to resolve it. We'd like to mediate our differences. But who knows what that necessarily means? So it is important for them to have that conversation. And for us and your attorney, if your attorney you're speaking with doesn't question you about what that means to you, then I think you're the wrong place, right? Absolutely. Also, just the phrase mediation has taken this new context in the last few years. Traditionally, the thought was it's me and my attorney, her and her attorney, this third party mediator. Is that a retired judge? Is that another attorney? Um, is it somebody with a different background, depending on your state? A lot of people now interpret mediated divorce to mean both of us hire one attorney to mediate the issues. It sounds fantastic. Um, and in some cases, it absolutely can be. It's important, though, that you as a client know what that means. You know that that person is not looking out for you. They're also not looking out for the other party. Um, But what happens then when maybe you guys are still amicable, but you have a disagreement on something and you're at a stalemate, you know, where does the process go from there? Um, Oftentimes people want to know they still have someone in their corner, even while they're mediating. 
Um, and also, when do we bring that mediator in? You know, you don't, don't necessarily want to bring them in too soon. Like you said, if you don't have enough information, other cases, it makes sense to get them in right from the beginning. Um, and we go four different sessions and deal with different topics each time. Um, so there's just, it's not a one size fits all. And again, you want to know what does that attorney have experience wise in doing those different types of mediation? So the trend, which is interestingly, I mean, I've used it sporadically before COVID, but what I'm seeing, and I'm curious if you're seeing the same thing, is because the timeline to get your cases resolved has been so long. I was just talking about this last night. I have a client where we filed in December 2019, and we're still not even set for trial. In Missouri, where I primarily practice, there was a rule that every case had to be completed in this county between eight and 12 months, no, no longer. That is out the window, I mean, obviously with COVID. So what we're seeing is parties using alternative resources to hire a mediator to essentially try their case. And are you seeing the same thing? Absolutely. And I think it both helps from a time perspective because you can also then choose from different mediators based on what their availability is. And like you said, courts are so backed up. Wisconsin is very similar. Cases are supposed to be done within a year. There should be exceptions to that when needed. So many of our cases are still lasting over that because we just can't get in in front of a judge. And then especially if you need more than a few hours for that trial, they're looking months out. So a lot of clients are doing um, arbitration as a way to bypass that process where you know we're not going to reach an agreement in mediation. She and I are not going to see eye to eye and sign on the dotted line. So arbitration is fantastic because a decision is still coming out of it. You're still getting to be heard. You're still having an explanation for what's happening, but we're not having to wait for that judge to have an open spot for you six, eight months yeah. after that year-long period. So we're focusing a lot on mediation. What is the difference between collaborative law, collaboration? What is it? What can I kind of, in a, in a nutshell, if you're, they're trying to figure out the difference, what is it? Absolutely. So with collaborative law, you are, like I said earlier, using a collaboratively trained attorney. What that really means is they know the options that exist under collaborative law. You and your spouse are signing contracts saying, we are not going to trial at the end of this. We are resolving it outside of the system. And what you're using is experts. So you will have a divorce coach. You will have a child specialist if that's an issue. You will have a financial specialist. They are going to look at what is the best situation for the unit as a whole, basically. You know, oftentimes people say the best outcome is one where neither side gets everything they want. And collaboration is sort of taking that up a step higher and going, we're not even worried about what either side wants. We're looking at the big picture on how do we preserve the assets? How do we make sure that the kids have the best schedule based on, you know, emotional issues and, and physical distance and things like that, where people sometimes think collaboration would make the most sense is oh, we're, we're amicable, we get along, we know we're going to reach an agreement, so why not do collaboration? And sometimes that can be great. Um, where it actually is the most beneficial, though, are the people that have the most disagreements because you have this third-party expert. And because you both have resolved to not take it to trial, um, sort of people can't play games. Yeah. And you know, you know, the downside, obviously, has to be expense for collaborative, right? Absolutely. I mean, Obviously, the more professionals you have in the picture, it, it sounds like it's going to get costly. 
Um, and there's definitely truth to that. And again, that's something that your attorney should be talking to you about extensively before you sign that collaborative contract. But if you're comparing it to the cost of a trial, if you're truly going to go to trial at the end of the case on all those issues, it might actually be less expensive because you're not having to hire your experts and she hires her experts. And then we're having them both testify and you're paying witness fees and you're having depositions. So it really, again, depends on what all is at stake. What are the issues? And while nobody can give you a cost guarantee, you can at least kind of know what would I anticipate in the collaborative process versus a litigated divorce versus should we try something like mediation instead? Um, you know, that's a decision for you to make. And obviously collaboration has to be agreed to by both parties. Right. So that's an extra added piece of the puzzle. And it is, I think... The challenge in collaborative is sometimes convincing. I mean, I think I would maybe pause. You're giving up some control almost, and you're committing. Okay, no matter what happens here, and that's why sometimes I always talk about how, for me, and maybe for my clients, it's easier to try cases. Uh, we prepare. We know what the positives and the negatives, the best, worst, and most likely scenario is. It is, it's an interesting dynamic between collaborative law and trial. I, I, it's, it is really a mental thing, whether I'm really mentally ready to commit here or let me just give up and just see what happens in trial. Uh, you mentioned earlier that you're not going to get everything you want, maybe, or I've said divorce is degrees of losing. There's no winner. And it's probably the same in mediation, collaborative law. No one's walking out with everything that they have you know, when they walked in the door. You're walking out with less. No matter what, absolutely, I've never seen a case where you get 100% of everything across the board. It just doesn't happen. And so it is more of a, that's why I always encourage consultations with an attorney who practices exclusively in family law, even before you make that decision. You know, maybe prep yourself, see what's possible, see what's likely, get an opinion, and then you can really adequately decide, is collaborative right for me? Is mediation like uh, I'm dipping my toe in the water and I can back off? Maybe that's the right approach, right? Absolutely. And I think too, you know, when you're consulting with those attorneys, part of what they're going to tell you too is how the other attorneys in that field are. So collaboration, if you're only working with other collaborative attorneys, that's also a piece of the puzzle. Who is she going to hire? What are their styles? Are they the type that drag things out or not? And I often recommend to do multiple consults, you know, as much about picking your attorney is the knowledge they have. It's also about fitting with them and their firm. And, and I agree, you want somebody that this is what they do 24 seven. You don't want someone who dabbles also because they're less likely than to know all the different options that are on the table. And I think most attorneys too want to know that you have sat with that decision before committing to collaboration, mediation, mm -hmm having that trial. And again, part of what we want to notify you is, are there things that you don't get to decide that the court will say you must try this? Or by try, I don't mean a trial. Um, for example, in Wisconsin, in almost all of our cases, even if there's no children, most judges will say, try mediation or arbitration before we schedule a trial date, mm -hmm. because they want you to reach an agreement if it's possible. Your attorney should prep you for that. So you're not go getting blindsided, yeah. being told I have to jump through another hoop. And that's the one thing I, I like about family law is, you know, a lot of people think, oh, it's the same thing every day. And it isn't. There are nuances with every file, every case, every client. 
which does require, you know, I think you've said one size doesn't fit all. And that's so true. And, and that's why it's a conversation. That's why, I mean, an hour in a consultation with you uh, or with any of our attorneys, it's so valuable to try to get some direction, some advice, uh, because, you know, my brother went through it or my sister went through it or my friend's done it. And you think, well, yeah, my, my case should take that same path. It doesn't. And, and that is the, it's a common comment. Well, you know, my brother's friend's friend got divorced and he only did this. Everything's different. I, I would say judges could hear the same case, the same, you know, 10 times and have 10 different results. That is the unique nature of family law in and of itself. It's just an odd. So one size doesn't fit all right. Absolutely. And that's, that's part of the terrifying position of being that client is no one. If someone gives you a guarantee, run for the hills. <laughs> We'd all be multimillionaires with a crystal ball if we could guarantee the outcome. And truly, too, some attorneys will tell you, I'm not a good fit for you. You know, and you want to you want to hear that if they can't do what you're expecting. Part of that consultation is finding out what your expectations are, finding out what you're hoping to accomplish from this. It's not just us giving you information is making sure both sides have a full understanding. Um, yeah. Even in these states where it's no fault states, we know emotions matter because it's also going to talk about the personality styles of the parties, which might tell us, is there an option that is better based on the emotions that are going on? Yeah. I mean, goal setting. We talked about that in podcasts about goal setting early on, because as a lawyer, I want to make sure like, I can't promise you that I'm going to attain a goal. I mean, sometimes it's fairly direct if it's separate property and there's some pretty clear law on our side, but who knows what's going to happen. But ultimately, it's about if I feel like I can position a client to the best chance to achieve it, that may be a success because, you know, obviously here at Cordell, it's about the process, the experience, uh, you know, walking with them and, and making sure that they feel like they're attended to as a customer, not a client. But again, I think goal setting is important. Yeah, I agree with you. So. Absolutely. And I think, too, it, it helps us have a reference point where we can also say this might seem totally unrelated, but here how, here's how that's working towards the goal. Um, or when we're giving you tasks, sometimes it's like, well, why do you need that? We can, again, contextualize it and say, here's how that's helping us get towards that goal. Um, so it, it helps on all ends, making sure that this feels as much in your control as possible. Great. Well, Chelsea, good stuff. Great information. I know everyone uh, got a full page of notes after today. So thanks for joining. Thank you. Well, continue to tune in. If you haven't subscribed yet, do that, do that on Apple iTunes. You'll be alerted every time we drop. Uh, also, virtual town halls. If you haven't heard about it, check us out. Go to our webpage at Cordell, cordell.com. Check us out on social media. You'll find any information about our virtual town halls. And that is a chance for you to log on and get online for 30 minutes with a panel of Cordell and Cordell attorneys live, ask questions and you can get some answers right then and right there. So it's free, just 30 minutes, usually in the afternoon. Check out our next one coming up here uh, and you can join in as well. So until next time, have a great week.